salvation is a, a revelation from God. And so how are we going to try to be used of the Lord to bring that revelation to people? And that's what I'd like to take and spend a, a few minutes on. I already mentioned for myself, I got great struggles with um, altar calls, sinner's prayer, with um, receiving Jesus into your heart. I know all that happens when a person is genuinely saved. But um, let's take a look in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. In verse number 23, being born again, or since you have been born again, mine says, but the King James says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God. Mine says, by the living and abiding word of God. So if we drop out the center or put the center in brackets, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, and just read the first and the last. It says, being born again, or you have been born again by the word of God. I think those are tremendously important words because it's the word of God that is going to bring life to people. And for ourselves... Once we saw this, and this is maybe 25 years ago that I came to see things in this light, in the light of which I'm going to try now and take a few minutes to show you, that is the being born again by the word of God. If I could use the word success, we haven't seen maybe any more saved, maybe not as many sometimes, but I can tell you this. We have seen far, 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 far less what I will term false profession. Far less. The people have got grounded. They have got saved. They have got the word of God under their feet. And they have stood firm. And in my mind, it has made more solid believers. They have gone on much, much uh, better. Like, you can use the verse, and I don't mean that we shouldn't. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Do you believe? Well, everybody will say, shouldn't say everybody. Many people will say, oh yeah, I believe. But if you go to Niagara Falls, you will walk up the hill at Niagara Falls, and you'll see a rope that stretched across there. And there's a man, figure of a man, and that rope, his name was Blondin. And he put that rope across the falls once. And he walked across there. And he said to the people, do you believe that I could carry somebody on my back? Oh, yeah, we believe that. Well, get on. Well, nobody would trust him. They all believed, but they wouldn't trust. Well, people could believe all about God, all about Jesus. But the word in the Bible dictionary means to trust, rely, place all your confidence in, depend solely upon. It's not just believing all about the individual. And people say, well, yeah, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, now shall be saved. Well, it's true. But it's believing all about. When I believe all about a person, like as those of us that are married and 
the years go by, and I tell you something, you get more and more and more and more and more confidence in your wife. And you know she's trustworthy, she's reliable, she's dependable, and you can just bank everything on her. It's great. But this is a little picture of the trust that's involved when it comes to uh, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so to try and show people that what God says is true, whether I believe it or not, doesn't make any difference. The Bible is true. And it's the uninfallible word of the living God. And I would like to take and look up verses. So when, when we would get a person, my wife and I come to a person that finally after visiting them for a considerable amount of time or a short time, but when they come to the place where they're prepared to face sin to a measure, and they're prepared to see that their sin has at least separated them from God, that they are possible. I'll even say to the person, after I get to know them very well, I say, would you mind if I was honest with you? And they'll say, yeah. I say, I hope you won't be offended. But if you were to die today, and God forbid, but if you were to die today, the Bible says you would be in hell. And sometimes they come to accept that. By the time I would say that to them, they don't take offense. They, they've got to know us well enough, and I think they believe that we truly love them. And get that across them. Sin is the problem. Now, salvation is learning what God has done with our sin. It's a fact. God has dealt with sin. Now, what has he done with it? Take a look uh, at some of the verses, and maybe some of the verses might be just a little bit out of context, but I use them and apply them anyway. Psalm 103. And I love this, this verse. Psalm 103 and verse number 12. And I'll ask the people to read this verse in the Bible that they have. I'm going to try now and show them truth of what God has done with their sin. So I'll say to the individual, read this verse, and they'll say, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. And you might have to explain that transgressions is another word, putting it simply what God uses for sin. So as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Oh, okay, how far is the east from the west? Well, the north from the south is 12,480 miles. And if you decide today you're going to start traveling east and get to the west, well, you could go from the north to the south, and you get to the south, and you can only go north, but to go east to the west, you go, and 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 you never get as far as the east is from the west. It's an immeasurable distance. Now, what has God says that he's done with your sin? As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Trying to show them that God has removed our sins. And take a minute or two on this verse and show them that this is what God has done. Then maybe go to Isaiah 53. 
and well-known verses to the Christians. And uh, if you've got time and the people are not rushed and they're happy to listen to you, I use verse, go to verse 5 and show them he was wounded. Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement that brings about our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. So you speak about the crucifixion of Christ and describing the crucifixion of Christ. And if you have time, you can show them other things in this beautiful passage in the, at the end of verse 52, chapter 52. But then verse 6, if they will just look at that, all we like sheep have gone astray. What's that saying to you? Well, I've gone astray. Have you? Yes, I admit that I have. We've turned everyone to his own way. It's like the bumper sticker. If it feels good, do it. Yes, I've done that. Now, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You have to show the people that iniquity means sin. They would hardly know what it means. But the Lord has laid on him the sins of us all. Okay, where are your sins? And maybe... I don't move away from this verse until they at least give assent. Well, this verse says, my sins are on Jesus. He laid on Jesus the sins of us all. Wow. So it's learning a truth, being born again by the word of God. And uh, go to John 1. John 1, verse number 29. Well-known verse. And they, they will then read this verse. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And again asked them, what has the Lamb of God, and you have to explain maybe that this is Jesus, he takes away the sin of the world. What has he done with the sin of the world? Well, he took away the sin of the world. Does that include your sin? Does that include my sin? All those sins that I've committed, millions of them, he took them all away. Yes, that's what it, that's what it, it says. Then I go to Hebrews maybe, and there's other verses, but Hebrews 10 and verse 17. In Hebrews 10 and verse 17, he says, Their sins and their iniquities, or their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. So, ask them, what is he saying here? Well, I'll remember them no more. That's a tremendous truth. And it brings comfort to every believer. And it gives assurance to all of us. And it gives assurance to an unsaved person that I will remember your sins no more. And I sometimes say to them, you know, that's better. If God said, I, I forgot, about, uh, forgot all about them, that'd be good. But he might remember them again. Because when I forget where I put the keys, then I hope I'm going to remember where I left them. Well, here he says, I will remember your sins. He's made a conscious choice, a decision to remember sin no more. And you can rest on that, rely on that. This is what God is saying 
Go to chapter 9 of Hebrews, verse number 26. And really just the end of the verse, but then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And I say, well, what has he done? He appeared once at the end of the ages to put away sin. Did he or not? Was he successful? Is it true or is it not? And they say, wow, you know, is it true? Well, well, man, this is great. Yeah. And they, they come to see. First Peter chapter 2. I hope I'm not boring everybody out of their minds, but uh, we'll finish before long. First Peter 2 and 24. And you... With each verse, I take a little time to explain to the individual we're talking to. And it says here in verse 24 of 1 Peter 2, He himself carried our sins in his own body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. But what did he do? So I asked the people, where are your sins right now? Well, they'll sometimes say they're on me. Okay, but what does God say, where are your sins? And they, well, he says he carried them in his own body on the tree. Now, did he or not? Is the question that we are faced with. Chapter 3 of First Peter, verse number 18. Um, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous one for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. So what did he do? He suffered once for sins. For whose sins? And my, it's great when they can see he suffered for my sins. And you've been trying to show them verses and it's being born again by the word of God. And they come to see that. First John, go to, I would go to First John chapter 1. Verse number 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us or washes us from all sin. Now, at the cross, Jesus died. And just try and explain to the people again. You have a little gospel service or a message every time you come to one of these verses do you think the blood of Christ actually does this? Is it successful? Has it worked? And they will invariably acknowledge, yes, it's the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says washes away all sin. Has it washed away your sins? Well, they got to say either yes or no. It's, it's one or the other. And, there's, and, and it's amazing, I find, the way they will come in and look at that. First John chapter 2. And verse number 1 and 2. First John 1 and... I'm sorry, First John chapter 2 and verse number 1 is better. First John 2 and verse number 1. 
My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he explained to him, he's the lawyer. And he is the propitiation. Now, there's different ways of looking at that word propitiation. It's a big word. I usually use the word payment. That's included in the dictionary meeting. So he's the payment for our sins. Not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Well, did he pay for your sins? Where did he pay for your sins? By the time they arrived here, well, he paid for them when he died on the cross. Without the shedding of blood is no remission, no forgiveness of sins. They realize he paid for my sins. And then I go to what I really think is the most powerful one in the Bible is 1 John 5, chapter 5, and I go to verse number number 10. Whoever believes in the Son of God has a testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar. Okay, now, what are we going to do? Is God telling the truth? And go back over. He says that he was wounded. He says he put your sins as far as the east is from the west. He says he carried your sins. He says he suffered for your sins. He says that he he took away the sin of the world. He says he won't remember your sins anymore. He says he's the payment for your sins. Now, is he or not? Because either you believe God or you don't believe. If you don't believe God, you're saying God's a liar. And then you go from there and read on because... He has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son, that God has given. What is the testimony? This is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. This life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. And I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. How do we know? Being born again by the word of God, as Peter tells us. And I hardly ever read these, this verse without uh, remembering Kathy Forbes. I mentioned Kathy Forbes last night. Kathy was one of the wildest women that we had ever met that got saved because she had been down every avenue, every road. She had committed every sin that was imaginable, and she was involved in them all. And she was one wild woman. She looked like a motorbiker supreme. And uh, she came and responded to the gospel, and she has been a, just a gem. She has lived her life for the last upwards to 15 years now since the Lord saved her without looking back, and she hasn't turned aside. But visit her for months and months, my wife and I, and you wouldn't want to be caught alone with her because she had such a name that if you were alone with her, my, I don't know what reputation would go and the stories would go around about. So I take my wife and we'd meet Kathy and we'd meet her at Tim Hortons, which is our coffee shop in the town. This time going there, I said, Merle, what are we going to say to Kathy? We have shown her everything. She can't seem to see it and she can't seem to understand it. And so I got there and we read, but I had not read with her First John about calling God a liar. And she said, well, I'm a liar, but God is not a liar. And she's sitting there in Tim Hortons, and the place was crowded, and we're sitting at the corner table, and I had the New Testament open, and I turned it around to her, and I said, Kathy, read these words. And I was going to bring her down to verse number 13, but she started to read, and she read, 
And this is the testimony in verse number 11, after she read about that if you don't believe God, you're calling God a liar. And I was going to get her to read down to verse 13, but she didn't get that far. She read verse 11. This is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And she was reading the King James Version. This is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. Well, you'd have to see Kathy. She plunked her head down in that restaurant that day and she wailed like like a wail like you wouldn't believe and there was dead silence and they thought what's that bald-headed guy and that woman doing with that that woman and she said he has given me eternal life and Kathy was saved and the people looked and she put her face up and she wept and she cried she must have cried for half an hour in that restaurant that day. And people came and went, and they wondered what was going on over there in the corner with Kathy Forbes. But that's the truth. He's given me eternal life. And, and uh, if we can see that, I suggest it's by the word of God. And I've blathered on for a long time. And, uh, Did you lead her in a sinner's prayer? Well, no. Did, did not, but she got it from the Word of God. And there is where we were tempted different times to sidestep the Spirit of God, but instead think, let the Lord save, because we get tempted to go ahead of the Lord, or we become impatient. And we think, what's wrong with these people? Let's get them to, through the door. And it's just a matter of them just just believe. And so we go the road instead of showing them the Word of God and building on the Word of God and week by week by week by week showing them more to God. And I believe it makes solid Christians. And when they go out tomorrow, they don't have doubts as to whether they're saved or not because they've got the Word of God that they're standing on. What time is it? 11.30. Quick question. So you don't ever pray with them or we suggest to do so? Oh, I pray with them every time we visit. As much as possible, I pray with the people. Yep, yep. I pray that God will show them salvation is in Jesus Christ. I pray God's blessing upon them. Try and pray that they will have peace and joy and gladness in believing God and trusting Christ. But I don't have them pray a sinner's prayer. You tell them that they could ask the Lord to save them. Yes, I... I often say, ask God, talk to God, pray that he will save you. But I don't tell them that there's a little formula because I have seen so many that we have met. Have you ever read Just As I Am by Billy Graham, his life 
story or his basically his life story. It's a great little book. Um, Billy Graham got a start amongst uh, brethren assemblies down in the United States here somewhere. Maybe it was, forget where, but that's beside the point. But um, he talks in his book about the great struggle of the altar call and the sinner's prayer. And he says, I think he was talking about Los Angeles where they saw a, a great, great crowds of people. I think there was this, maybe back in the 60s or 70s. Great crowds of people came. And many, many people came to the altar. Multitudes of professions. And they said in the city there was, I'm going to say, I don't recall now, 150 evangelical churches. Something like 10,000 had trusted the Lord. These churches are all going to have to add additions on. What happened? Zilch. And I don't mean that none got saved. I don't mean that for a minute. But even Billy Graham in his book writes about the, the problem that they faced and the questions that they had in regards to this. And I don't knock Billy Graham. Thank God for the man. I like to say to people, we are similar to Billy Graham. And uh, preach like Billy Graham preaches, ordinary simple messages. And he's been a blessing to multitudes of people. And I thank God so much that he's lived an honorable, upright life. No one can point the finger at him. He's just great. And he talks about the concern in Just As I Am of living a good testimony with his staff before the people. But I only use that as an example that even he questions or did at one time question uh, that route. But if we can just show the people the word of God, there's great joy for your own soul in doing it as a, a Christian because you're looking at the word of God all day long with the people or all through that visit with the people and it does your own soul a lot of good and it does the individual you're talking to a great deal of good. Yeah, And that's what the Bible does speak about believing. Well, many, many times, believe on Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And if you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. My problem, maybe I come from a background, I heard from this big about Jesus, about salvation, the gospel, being saved. My, we used to have Christians come to the house, we'd have a sing, and then different ones would give their testimony. And I always believed, but I wasn't saved. I believed all about it. And I was almost 15 years old when I, all hope was lost, like you said. And then I came to, it was, I believed because my mother, father, the brothers, the Christians, and people had told me about Jesus. I believed it. But I was saved when God told me that night lying in my bed. I understood Jesus died for me. It was a revelation to me from God. And everyone comes to the same person, gets saved by believing. And my problem is she says she believes. Well, okay, maybe she believes all about it, but does yeah. she trust in it? God and, and tremble. And tremble. Yeah. But he's not saved. No. And so on. But, um, so, to what extent 
do we believe to be saved? Well, there's where I personally feel we bring the people to the Word of God. And let the Word of God, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life, Jesus said. And let the Word of God have its effect upon the hearts and minds of the people. And use the Word of God rather just read them those passages and show them the word of God through different verses all kinds of verses until they come to to see by the word of God rather than what I tell them I don't know if I'm making it clearer like mud (laughs) do you think in the world today we've got so many different voices in back in the days of the Acts there was the Jew, the Gentile, and the Church of God. Now we've got, my goodness, all kinds out there, so much. And the people got all these little bits and pieces of of confusion in their minds. Now, it's the Word of God, I believe, is going to take and get them focused on Christ and the cross, and it causes other things to drop out of the way, and they can see down the path clearly by the word of God otherwise it's my voice added to a whole lot more voices and granted I don't mean that people don't get saved that way I've just for ourselves we have found people be much more grounded and then have a more of a victory from their past life when they get a good grounding in the word of God I'm, I don't have the ability of this, that the Spirit of God to, to determine where that person is. I can see progress, but only the Lord truly knows their heart. And that's why I personally like to see them get it from the Word of God. Uh, on even, I like, oh, I love someone who gets saved when I'm sitting there, but even by themselves is possibly greater just between that person and God. And when they get hold of God's salvation, because we have to admit, we've lost lots of people. Are they saved or not? I don't know. But they sure didn't have a grounding in the Word of God. Sometime, like this winter, we were um, in a village in the Ar- in the Ar- past the Arctic Circle. And the lady... Uh, um, lady, about, in fact, I have a picture of her in a book here. She came to the to our trailer. We have a winter trailer where we go into the Arctic, and it is able to keep it warm at 50 below zero. And so we have this where people can come in, or we go to their house. This lady came in, and she was troubled. She was conscious of her sin. She told us she was living with a man that wasn't her husband and she didn't know what to do about it, but she was very conscious of her sin. Well, we spent very little time talking to her about sin because she's already raised that subject of sin. Now, I don't know, I didn't know, and my wife didn't know how deeply awakened she was to sin. We can only just take by what she says. We then took her to the Word of God as to what the consequence of sin is, is there's judgment and there's such a thing as hell. She's Roman Catholic. She had no doubt about that. 
because she's got that background. So that was a good background to rest on. And then for the first time in her life, she was taken to scriptures that showed what God had done with sin. Up until now, she had the priest comes periodically in those villages and she would go and make confession of her, her sin. But she said, I walk away and I never settled. No peace. So we took her and went verse by verse through the Bible for about two hours, showing her some of these verses that I showed, talked about today, just showing her what did God do with your sin. Now, I believe the woman trusted Christ sitting right there. I don't know. Uh, I think so. But regardless, these verses were written down. We marked them in the Bible, put a little paper in there, and sent her. We were leaving. She had to go back to her house, and we are traveling to the next villages. At least I have the confident comfort that I can leave her with the Word of God, with the Bible and scriptures that tell her what God has done with her sin. And if she was saved when she left that trailer, she, she well could have been. But does, if she was not, back at her house, she can look up the scriptures again and go back to the word. And we were not asking for confession. We were not asking for a sinner's prayer. We were not asking for her to get on her knees. We prayed with her before she left. And told her we would continue to pray for her, which we have done. And I've mailed her some stuff in the mail. I haven't received any communication from her. Don't know anymore now what has happened. So, but I've mailed her some other stuff and we'll mail her some stuff. And God willing, go back this next winter because you cannot go into a village in the summertime because they're ice roads and they're only open in the winter. Otherwise, you have to fly in by air and it's very expensive. So we just go in the wintertime in those villages. But what gives me peace, she's got the word of God. If we got her on her knees, I have no doubt we could have had that lady make a profession of faith in Christ. And I could have put a mark on the wall and said, got one from this village anyway. But I would walk away still questioning in my mind, is she really to Christ or not? Now she's got the word of God and I go away with confidence that we left her the only thing that is absolutely essential in her life and in mine and ours and everybody else's. Our Father, we're thankful for the blessings of the Lord. They're showered upon us, Lord. We are rich. We are wealthy in Christ. We have uh, abundance of blessings beyond our comprehension and we here we are a people destined to spend eternity with the living God and to enjoy fellowship and communion as we go through this life down here. Thanks for the Lord's people here today. Thanks for what you've done in the lives of each one. Thanks, Father, for uh, every one of us here. And we're all miracles of God's marvelous grace in saving us. We deserve nothing but the judgment of God. And you've brought us into a life and a joy and a peace in believing. We give thanks. Father, we pray that we would all go out as a testimony and a witness in this dark world. Help us to live righteous, upright, holy lives as we go amongst the community and our neighbors and those we work amongst.
that they would truly look at us and see that there is something different in these people. And so, Lord, bless us, each one, wherever we are. And help us to shine as lights in this dark world. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Help us to clean the lenses of our life. Bless uh, our time together. Thanks, Father, for this lunch that's been so kindly provided. Another evident token of your mercy and your grace to us. And in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we return thanks. Amen.